watching prohibition fall down. What's up, DDC? Scotty hanging out today, and I'm psyched. I'm real psyched. Guru, you've been after me for years to get with these guys. So, got Bro Guru on the line. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? Yeah, and I've got Matt Brecht. <laughs> I'm excited. I've got Matt Brecht from Maroon Bio Innovations, who is one of these very uh, new and interesting. Uh, we call I, them biotechnologies. Yeah, okay, but yeah, because it is some new technology. Uh, and I don't even want to call it a pesticide. What would you, what would you call it, man? What do you, what do you, what do you, what you guys do? So, I mean, officially they're called biopesticides. Um, these are um, basically biological pesticides that we have derived from organic sources um, that control diseases and in insects. And we have other, other products that are coming online, but right now the three main products that um, many people are familiar with is a Regalia CG, Venerate CG and Grand Evo CG. And the CG stands for cultivated garden. So basically anything that's grown in the greenhouse, ornamentals, vegetables, and cannabis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see, I see what you're doing with the, the, green, the green line and everything. But you know what it impresses me about you, yeah. about you guys first and foremost is, do you hear in my, in my voice, I was apprehensive to call you a pesticide? Because there is so much regulation and so much, uh, uh, I guess, bad connotation that goes along with pesticides. And I, I think it's cool. You guys are a biopesticide. You very quickly corrected me. I am so into mm -hmm. microbes. I'm so into soil biology. Help me understand what is the difference when I think of pesticides, I think of nasty organophosphates, like the DDTs and the things that smell like death. You know? Literally the things that are based off of the same chemicals or the research they had making nerve gases for <laughs> right, warfare. Right. But okay, so they've cleaned those. That's I think of those like the 70s and the 80s. When I think of pesticides now, I think of like the neonicotoids, the things that uh, you buy at Bear Tree and Shrub at at Walmart or Home Depot or something like that that are supposedly the kinder and, and gentler pesticides. But uh, and at the same time, they're systemic pesticides too. Yeah. So I, I, is any mm -hmm. pesticide safe to use on something uh, consumable like cannabis or any, any traditional pesticides, I guess? Help me understand, brother. Well, I think it's, it's very unclear what pesticides will do. Um, you, you don't want things, you don't want pesticide residues on products um, to be either eaten or inhaled, right? So there are very strict, um, restri very strict uh, limitations on when you can spray certain pesticides in agricultural production. And can I stop you um, and ask you real quick? We ask this all the sure. time. Like when you buy your food at, at Walmart or something like that, you know, most people don't. But if you were to buy, I'm thinking like the lower kind of end place to buy some food. Is that sprayed with pesticides? I mean, do they, they have to allow pesticides on food? I'm a grower from Florida. You can't grow things, mm -hmm. uh, certain things without uh, fungicide and pesticide programs in, in certain regions. So, uh, and I think about it with tobacco too. Do they spray my tobacco? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're actually agricultural plants or, you know, be it vegetables or tobacco or fruit, um, they're sprayed quite heavily. And it depends on where you are in, you know, in the world. Um, the, the more humid or harder the, the climate, um, more diseases or insects you may have. Uh, so they may get more sprays. I mean, uh, cotton, just so you know, cotton is one of the most highly 
pesticide sprayed um, plants there is. Um, there's a lot of insects and diseases that'll attack cotton, um, which, you know, if, if, if you think about hemp is one of those things where we hope that it'll, it'll take its place because there'll sure. be a lot less pesticide used um, and for like clothing production or whatever. Um, but in general, um, yeah, there's a lot of pesticides being used out there. Um, there's very, very um, uh, strict limitations on when you can spray things. Um, so they don't uh, get either on the vegetables or, or fruit. Um, and if they are on the fruit or vegetables, then they uh, either dissipate or um, become sort of inert in, in, in some way before it gets to um, human consumption. Uh, and a lot of a lot of fresh, uh, vegetables and fruits are also washed and sanitized um, as they come off as they come out of the field. So they go through like a packing house. Or they might go through a wash um, to clean it up. Sure. Off, you know, some of the pesticides that are on there, um, it'll clean it up off. You know, uh, it'll clean up the bacteria and the fungi that might be still on there to make it safer for human consumption. But what about um, like? But there are residues. You know, there are residues that you know that still are on these um, fruits and vegetables. Because a lot um, of people some, have a. A misconception about half-life or they'll see half-life and it have a, an REI mm-hmm. of three hours and a half-life of 10 days and they think oh it's all gone after 10 days no. uh, when in reality that means that half of the original amount theoretically is still there um, and they don't realize it needs right. to go through multiple half-lives to get to a point that it's at a less detectable level on the plant yeah i mean i can see washing it off a piece of you know a zucchini or something like that washing some pesticide off the surface i'm more worried about i'm thinking the only other you know, smokable product that's been around is tobacco. And I know tobacco is a, you know, a pretty, pretty dirty, you know, I, I know that they use plenty of, uh, of pesticides and, and chemicals while growing tobacco. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I'm looking at cannabis as, as something that's smoked medicinally. And I'm just wondering, I, I sure anyone that's grown indoors knows that you're going to have pests sooner than later. So I'm just wondering what the hell uh, is going on or could be going on in my cannabis. Right. So right now, as far as what can be sprayed legally on cannabis, um, they've taken states and um, well, states basically have taken a direction to say that this is going to be an organic crop. Um, we're not going to allow any heavy pesticides or you know traditional pesticides on there um, because we know these are going to be uh, products that will be ingested um, or smoked and inhaled. And for a lot of a lot of people who are um, using cannabis, um, you know, originally is for medical reasons. Um, so there, a lot of these patients that are using um, cannabis in some form as as medicine have already a reduced um, immune system, immune system, sure. you know, or some kind of health problem that may be affected um, even more by some kind of residual harmful pesticide. Yeah, you can't put um, pesticides and, in, in your medicine. That's just, you know, that's... that's correct. Yeah, that's, yeah that's so we, so there's, um, so right now in the United States, as it stands, um, a lot of the recreational states have allowed certain organic, um, you know, organic biopesticides to be, to be used. Um, and then some states, especially on the East Coast, uh, where they have medical and they're kind of transitioning into rec- recreational here, hopefully. Right. Um, they're 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 using what's called 20 25 uh, b products um, sure. and so these these products basically um are 
allowed by the EPA um, or don't really have any harmful effects whatsoever, and they're so benign that they are they're allowed to be used um, in you know growing and production, but uh, they they're not very effective at all when it comes to certain diseases and insects. And especially um, if so, you're trying to control a population that's already thriving um, in your garden, it's going to be really hard to have any type of like knockdown with those 25B pesticides. Yeah, they're all kind of the stuff you've heard of. There's they're what like the generally recognized as safe products, right? So stuff like oils and whatnot, real simple stuff. Correct. Yeah, these are these are products basically that um, are deemed by the EPA that don't need. Um, research uh, for efficacy and, and sort sure. of backing behind it, uh, and because they're, they just know that they're safe. Um, so, whereas products like ours, um, like biopesticides, and it could be anything um, that other than 25 bees, these products have to go through um, registration um, and be legally. Um, they have a whole back, uh, a whole program of research that's been done and paperwork that supports all the evidence that the product says it does. So if it says, hey, we can kill mice, then it has to have um, good research data behind that to prove that it does work on mice. Yeah, I'm, su I'm super psyched um, to talk to you all because most of the things that you see, almost everything for cannabis, first of all, because it costs millions and millions, it costs an absolute fortune to actually be call yourself a pesticide and go through the pesticide registration, um, that almost everybody just grabs older stuff that's generally recognized as safe. Everybody's heard of it and they just get this exemption and come, but come in with something, uh, without a ton of, of legwork done themselves on it. That's why I was really interested. That's why Guru's been bugging me for the past past two years about you guys because you have something that's new and different i see it actually has an omri label on there i really enjoy um novel modes of action with my pesticides and ones that are doing things that i don't see many other products on the market uh coming close to be able to do and that's like eliciting the immune response from the plant along with being able to uh control bugs and pests in the garden Sorry, you enjoy novel modes of action? Novel modes of actions are All cool, right. man. It means that it's doing something that you're not getting from anywhere else. I like new technology. That's the same. We say the same thing. I, I dumb it down sometimes, but this is something new and interesting. Guru's been trying to teach me. It's only three products, man. I got a, a greenhouse and I have an indoor grow. I got a little five by nine indoor grow. I talk mm -hmm. IPM. I don't really do any IPM right now. I practice some you know, good cultural practices. I keep the place clean. Uh, I quarantine before I bring plants in. But uh, as far as a matter of fact, I, I was uh, not feeling so good for a couple of days. I had a cold. Yeah, I had a cold and uh, a friend of mine brought me a couple of clones. I, they were in my uh, room for a day. I walked in there. I made an Instagram post about it. The dirtiest clones I've ever been brought, like just live bugs, eggs, everything on there. So I immediately ran and took them out. But man, I wished I had some kind of protocol. I would have sprayed and sprayed. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain things you do when you bring in um, in plants into your grow operation. So the first thing, um, as in you know, we talk about disease and in insect epidemiology, is where you know how do these bugs or insects uh, or bugs and diseases get into a grow facility? Um, Nine times out of ten, it's on the plant matter that comes in as a clone or a plant that comes in, right? Um, so 
that's your first and foremost uh, spot where you want to focus on some kind of quarantine for those plants as they come into your facility, either a greenhouse or, you know, a closed indoor uh, place. Because um, if you can prevent things from coming in, then, you know, you really can keep a lot of those insects and pests or diseases um, away. And is there some kind of prophylactic uh, and, and not have that, issues with them? that you recommend those? Or something you t- take one of these and spray them on there to, you know, kill anything, you wait three days and do it again? What, what's your protocol uh, as, as far as, you know, just cleaning them up and just wait and look? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So one, um, one you want to, if you bring them in, you want to put them in an area that, you know, is very, um, very controlled and, and sort of quarantined from everything else. So it's almost like you're bringing these plants into lockdown. And once they come in, you definitely want to treat the soil and the plants several times with different, you know, different sets of pe- biopesticides. Um, and these, it eventually, hopefully, hopefully hope is, you know, that they basically get cleaned up um, or if there's anything there, let's say if insects are there, then they will die um, and they're totally clean. And by that time, then you can, you know, bring them into your grower operation. Um, what I, what I kind of take another step further is you want to first, you know, treat those plants really nicely, do some drenches, do some, you know, good foliar applications. Right. Um, and do multiple of these. And in fact, you can combine, you know, a couple, one or two different or even three um, products together to kind of hit different modes of action, different, you know, insects or diseases, and then just sort of hit that. Um, and then what I do is after a certain period of time, m- maybe let's say two or three weeks, um, what, what I like to do then is to clone um, those plants. So you take those, so you take sort of clones off of those plants. Um, and those clones typically, you know, those new growing sites and, and places typically are nice and clean by that point. Sure. Um, and then you and then you put them in a nice, nice, you know, sterile environment, clone dome, or root, rapid rooter, or whatever you've got going on. Um, and you can watch those plants very carefully, um, you know, in a separate location, and see if those clones develop any kind of, um, you know, insects or disease. But typically, they should be nice and nice and clean at that point. The the best way of bringing in um, genetics to your to a facility, especially you know if you if you don't have anything, you want to make sure you keep everything out. Um, is through micropropagation. So you you've heard those. Um, there's there's a bunch of companies out there that have genetics that can send you like basically like um, clone plants in like auger gel, like yeah, little, tissue culture you're container, talking about, right? Tissue culture mm-hmm. exactly. So. Um, tissue tissue cultures are it's a great way of basically um, getting genetics into your grow grow operation totally free of diseases, uh, insects, and when I say diseases, you know um, it, it could be a lot of what we're talking about is viruses. Um, so viruses is very rare right now in the cannabis industry, um, but what's nice about tissue culturing is almost like it brings the plant back to new again. Right. Um, as if you're almost starting from brand new seed, and but you're keeping that good quality genetics. You'll hear commercial growers talk about a mother plant that they've kept around for six or seven years, and it just doesn't perform like it used to. And a lot of time, that's mm-hmm. just undiagnosed viral load in the plant that when they take it back to tissue culture and kind of reset back to baseline, they get back that vigor that they were missing or that they used to have from a plant but lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that too. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, um, 
it's one of those things that that people say and they, they notice and i think we're gonna um we'll see more of that and I, I i'm really excited about the tissue culture side of things because it really sort of cleans up our um, our industry because you see, you hear all of these horror stories going back and forth. Oh, I got this clone from this guy. I got root aphids, you know, or I got this clone, these plants from this from this, uh, this grow operation. They said they were clean, and I've got mites everywhere. I mean, it's it it, it happens all the time. And you know, tissue culture is a way to really prevent all of that from happening and really keep a sterile environment inside your grow operation. So let's let's pretend that uh, we have our tissue cultured clones. Hang on a second, I want to back off tissue culture because none of our folks have access to tissue culture. None of the people that are listening to this are at least 1% do. So I want to get back to bringing right. Okay. Okay. Right. Back to that then. Uh, we've got clones into our new grow. Sure. Um, when we, we don't have any integrated pest management scheme right. set up right now. So what do we spray uh, on them? What, what should, do we and them? We don't have bugs currently, but we would like to prevent them from ever being there in the, in the future, which is kind of the point of Pest management. I want to say what, the word prophylactic. Right. What uh, type of uh, schedule and scheme should we be using for yes. the garden there? Sure. So let's talk about the main um, diseases and insects that most people in a greenhouse or you know their indoor you know basement grow or whatever they're doing, their tent um, may encounter over time. Okay. Um, for diseases, there's really basically three. There's fusarium, there is botrytis, and there's powdery mildew. Um, Botrytis and powdery mildew are literally everywhere. They're very, very hard to keep out 100% out of your grow operation. Right. Um, I don't think it's very, very difficult because um, they come in. You know, even small spores will come in through any kind of gap anywhere. People's um, clothes you know. and are always on the air or on your, you know, flying around. So if you're outside and you know, you're walking around, you may pick up these spores. You know, and so it's very, it's very difficult to keep them out of a grow operation. Um, whereas Eucerium typically is um, typically is always pinpointed um, that affects the plants. If they're going to kill them at all, it's usually right around you know, just that plant to transplant or the first three weeks after transplant. Right, and that's that clone rot um, that you get that uh, just the, the stem rot. That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and what what happens is it typically what happens is um, Eucerium is. Um, comes to being usually when the those newly transplanted you know um, rooted clones are it, is over wet it's like their their medium is over, over you know, oversaturated yep okay and um, and that tends to lead to if their fungus is there tends to like give them good access um, and make the plant stressed and that stress leads to um, uh, attack from the fungus. Now, it's, it's not like, oh, everyone gets it and it's 100% lost. You know, it may attack a few here and there, right? But it's something to be to think about um, is to you know, help prevent um, uh, fusarium stem rot um, you know, from happening in the first place. The best thing to do is to reduce um, your soil saturation um, for the first or three weeks. You know, keep the, keep the soil moist. Um, but not overly saturated. Right. And um, the other thing you can do is to give it some kind of um, either uh, of some kind of organic fungicide or a more of like a sterilization, right? So um, there's a couple of products uh, on the market that you can uh, use to lightly, you know, clean your soil. Uh, and one of those is a parasitic or parasitic acid, or you can also call it peroxyacetic acid. Uh, and so a lot of people are familiar with products like Xeritol, 
by BioSafe. Um, Oxidate uh, is another one. Um, and we have a product also called JetAg that we use very successfully. It's the same thing. Um, and you can use those products basically as a light drench, and that will help kill spores or whatever's growing you know, in your um, rooting material. Man, we do always say that nature abhors a vacuum, though. I used to go in hydrogen peroxide, my, mm-hmm. uh, my, my deep water culture and all that stuff, and it just... It just allowed the pathogens to come on back and let the clean slate form. I'm a, I'm a soil biology guy. Yep. I believe in loading up with beneficials, populating with beneficial and, and good guys, and sure. uh, and keeping that vacuum. You know, or, or I should say, uh, filling the void. How about that? Yeah, another product you know people use it's um, even 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 more it's like sort of doesn't kill everything. Let's say um, like a peroxyacetic acid does. You can also use something like regalia. So regalia, we're using as drenches, um, especially early on, that really reduces and really eliminates uh, fusarium rot. Um, it basically strengthens the root system uh, and the stems of the plants to resist against the fungus. And so it's a natural thing. So if you've got other biologicals in your root system, right. in, your, in your potting soil, right? Um, some, some people do straight um, cocoa core or peat moss sure. perlite, sure. but a lot of people are doing some kind of, you know, uh, build a soil or some kind of, uh, living soil or something else. The soils have contain other organic matter. So they're castings in there or something. Own, yeah. Contain their own active bacteria and, you know, other bugs that are in there that are sort of natural. When I say bugs, I mean, Oh yeah. Like, you know, We're microbe friends right anything. here, man. We're friends with the right, microbes. microbes, right? All right. So Regalia, you're telling me that uh, tell me how to use that. It's a root wrench. Tell me, tell me how to use it. Yeah. So regalia can be used in, in basically two ways. It's a, either a foliar spray or a root wrench. Um, and typically we use um, regalia as a root wrench really only early on in the transplant and early veg to prevent fusarium, okay. uh, you know, stem uh, root rod. Um, and then once, once the plant has matured, um, typically maybe four weeks, you know, after transplant, um, that, that plant is really pretty much hardy and strong that it doesn't need, um, you know, products to go in there for, for disease control. Right. Cause there's really nothing else left in an indoor environment, um, that will, will kill your plant and, and the root system. Basically we transition to more foliar sprays because regalia will, um, help your plant resist against powdery mildew and botrytis bud rot. Okay, and I heard you say indoor. So are these specifically formulated indoor, indoor greenhouse, or? Well, when we're talking about diseases that, you know, are what people find inside a greenhouse or, you know, full indoor, it's really only those three, fusarium, powdery mildew, and botrytis bud rot. If you're going outside, you know, we can talk about outside diseases as well. Um, Just the greenhouse, indoor greenhouse is where I wanted to specialize in today. Yeah, indoor, exactly, yeah. And that's what I'm trying to focus on. Well, I, I notice you. I say an indoor and greenhouse, and you're saying indoors. Is there? Are, are am I grouping them currently? Yeah. So, so in, in a greenhouse situation, it's a lot more fluid because um, there's a lot more gaps, or it's, you know, it, it can be open to the outside through vents or whatever. In an indoor situation, really, it's you know, it's a very closed loop system. Sure. Um, and so it's, it's much easier to keep diseases and insects out than a greenhouse situation. So you kind of talk about these different things. So people who have greenhouses, um, you know, they they need to think about certain things um, a little bit more versus, let's say, someone who's in full indoor. 
Um, because in, in a greenhouse situation, you you run into uh, sometimes a little bit more issues with uh, that you can't control, like an insect comes in from outside somehow, right. or right. a disease yeah, will come in through much easier, right? Yep. Yep, definitely. Okay, so, so I got my fu- I got yeah. uh, fungus dampening off that kind of stuff uh, settled with the regalia. What do I do as far as we were talking about quarantining these clones? What do I do to treat the clones? So the first thing I would like to do is um, treat the clones with with let's say regalia and venerate. Um, those obviously two of our products. Um, the regalia basically will help um, fight off any disease that's on there. Uh, and the venerate will help to control any um, uh, the majority of the insects that are on there. Okay, my ears perked up. You said majority of the insects, so it's a, a broad spectrum, or what's up as a venerate yeah, so a pesticide? Vener- yeah, so so regalia basically covers our you know sort of three major um, diseases that we see in the greenhouse or in an indoor environment, um, like a you know, full indoor grow operation, and. Our two bioinsecticides, Grandivo and Venerate, um, tackle our major, you know, insects that are that we find also uh, in greenhouses or in indoor operation. Um, you said a mouthful there, brother. Those insects. What's that? I said you said a mouthful there. It tackles most of the most of the uh, uh, pests and insects. Man, I want to talk about that. It's like a dream come true. Yeah. So these products are, are called broad spectrum multi-site modes of action okay so broad spectrum means they um they kill uh, a wide array of different insects or pests um and they're broad they're um, multi-site modes of action in other words um they're harder to have resistance against in fact um these these bio pesticides are very hard to have any kind of resistance to them whatsoever and, and there isn't any right now um where as a lot of the conventional pesticides that we have um, typically are, are single site modes of action. Um, and when they're single site modes of action, then they can build up a resistance. And is, um, pa- is part of that, uh, is part of that like resistance to resistance, uh, that it's, it's triggering like, a an acquired immune system response from the plant, as well as having other modes of action directly targeting the insects from what I understand. That's correct. Yeah. So regalia, so when you're talking about, uh, induced systemic resistance, which is called IFR or right. SAR, which is systemic acquired resistance. Um, there's a there's a, only a couple products out there that it does that, and um, Regalia is really one of the only ones that are, that are right now you can use on cannabis. Hey, I'm confused about those that. two. You said ISR and then systemic. Would you help me understand the difference between those two? Induced and systemic. Sure, sure. So. Um, I think what you, I think what your general audience just needs to know, I mean, they can look up the, the details that they want later, but there's really two sort of pathways in the plant that trigger um, gene expression, okay? Um, and so one's called the jasmotic acid um, pathway, another one's called the salicylic acid pathway. Um, and really what you need to know is they, they turn on certain genes in the plant um, that basically help resist that plant against diseases and insects. So for instance, um, some of the compounds are like antimicrobial compounds, phenolics, phytoalexins, and pathogenesis related proteins. Um, And these sort of help to um, help the plant inhibit and restrain pathogen growth. Okay. And 
they also what they'll do is strengthen cell walls. Um, so in with an ISR, it also this is called induced systemic resistance, Got it. Um, as well as SIR. Um, these are signals that uh, the plant can accumulate more lignin, which then thickens the strength uh, and strengthens cell walls, um, which then helps to protect against penetration by pathogens um, and even some um, small insects. Wow. So these are okay. signals to stimulate the plant to beef up uh, against uh, insects and, and uh, disease. And through and it's doing right. that through secondary uh secondary like metabolites that it's making because i've even seen some research on people using like methyl jasminate uh to increase mm -hmm. trichome density on plants um and in conjunction with a couple other hormones but uh it's it's pretty crazy how much uh gene expression is there that the plant just doesn't express until it's uh released by something i love my Correct. smart friends yeah, and, and so when you have and so some of these um the way the plant defends itself you know, it takes some kind of cue. So it, let's say it's getting attacked by something on, on its one leaf. Um, it can send us, you know, uh, that signal to, to the rest of the leaves to basically say, hey, you know, we're being attacked. We need to produce some of these, um, these gene expressions um, to help re reduce, you know, the pathogen that was being attacked. And regalia, basically what it does is it, it triggers the entire plant, wherever it, wherever it gets sprayed, to come on, you know, with a lot of gene expression to really reduce um, disease, um, uh, yeah, just reduce the disease uh, amounts. Wow. So it's not really, you know, it doesn't really affect um, insects that much because the insects we have are, you know, kind of get around um, some of the defenses. Sure. It's really more, you know, involved with powdery mildew and botrytis and fusarium. That's that's the venom. So the other thing. Yeah, so besides, you know, inhibiting pathogen growth, strengthening the cell walls uh, to help resistance, um, which also then makes the plant, you know, set up straight, uh, straighter and, and make it more resistant, let's say, to wind or other, um, other factors, uh, it also plant, promotes plant growth. So regalia will um, uh, enhance the plant's health by stimulating the production of phytohormones and chlorophyll. Um, which are obviously a critical component in photosynthesis, which then increases the energy making in the plant. So if your plants are performing night really well, making lots of energy, then you're going to have a, a better yield at the end. Okay, so that's regalia. That's the that's for biofungicide. Uh, biofungicide disease pressure. That's the biofungicide. Yeah, and, and 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 just so just so our audience knows is um, regalia is based off of. The giant knotweed plant, and the genus is called Renutria. Um, and so we've 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 harnessed this plant, um, and we've extracted um, the um, components of it to make regalia. Yeah, I'm, I'm just okay. So that's that's the biofungicide. Help me understand. I, we got into pesticides before, and then we we got back mm -hmm. to fungicide. Help me understand how we're killing bugs here. Like I said, I've got my clones. I'm sure, a real practical guy. Yeah. So you're also so now you're also thinking about okay, which insects um, are we going to go after for cannabis? And I'm going to tell you what the majors are, and and, and your listening audience probably already knows this. We but, can all tell um, <laughs> Just to give a really good give the let's just, right. let's like recap it, right? Um, when we're talking about uh, the soil system, we're really only talking about two insects, and that's fungus gnats and root aphids. Okay, um, those are the majors that most people say. Fungus gnats, you know 
aren't necessarily really a big problem, but they can be if you have a lot of them, your soil saturated, sure. um, the plants are small, maybe they're they're stressed out. Uh, it could affect the root system a little bit. It also brings um, something nasty with it. Growth. What's that? Oh, I say it can bring something nasty with it. Those them, fungus gnats. Them being vectors for disease, I think, is what Scott's talking yep. about. Yeah, it, it can. So if they're feeding, you know, so they're feeding on um, the or whatever organic matter, you know, like algae or you know whatever it's feeding on, um, they can, you know, feed on eventually feed on the roots if they're if they're um, they get into enough population and and spread some disease. But it's you know it's very minor um, in, in cannabis production. I really wouldn't worry about that necessarily. Um, if you're using a product like Fusarium, and especially early on when you're you know when you're just transplanting. The fungus gnats are so few and far between that yeah. it's not an issue in young plants. So root once they get aphids, older, man. it's very rare for fungus gnats to Let's you know, have any effects on though. cannabis. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. Root so the other the other big insect that we worry about, obviously, in the root system is root aphids. Root aphids is the one of the worst insects that anyone can ever have. So it's it's absolute paramount that you don't get <laughs> root aphid into your grow operation right. because it will be devastating. It, I like it to take out a lot of plants. Yeah. I like to describe uh, Phylloxera root aphids as the scourge of God, um, and yeah. we we have the wine industry in California to thank for uh, its multi resistance to a lot of different things. Jesus, so wines using pesticides though? A lot. Oh yeah, fungicides. Oh, yeah. Fungicides fact, more than pesticides. And wine. That, uh, we yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you this: um, when it comes to uh, wineries or, or grape making, um, those vineyards are, are sprayed quite often with products, um, and to help reduce the amount of um, pesticides that are out there, uh, they're turning to our bio bio pesticides, um, much friendlier to the environment, um, but also control diseases and insects. So we're seeing more and more vineyards uh, uh, sort of you know pull in our biopesticides in with their other regimen. Um, and same goes for almonds and citrus right. and vegetables. So, um, but yeah, we, it, most every crop out there is sprayed pretty well throughout the, the season. Man, that'll make you think, won't it? Mm-hmm. Damn. All right, yeah. so. So, we, we, so, we, so let's just keep going on the Root insects. aphids, um, man. Yes, we got root aphids and basically fungus gnats are the two majors that we see, you know, in campus production. Uh, and then in the in the more the foliar side of things, um, in the leaves and stems, you're going to have foliar aphids, which are different than root aphids. Sure. Uh, you'll have mites. There's three types of mites: spider mites, broad mites, and russet mites. Uh, and then the other one that a lot of people will see are thrips. And then very rarely we'll have some other insects in there, maybe a white fly, maybe something else. But it's really just thrips, the three mites, sure. uh, and the foliar aphids. And that's really what we, we care about in the indoor environment, um, All right. either greenhouse or full in, full indoor uh, operation. So, so, the, the, so I was just going to say the root aphids are something where if you, you want to build trust with me and I'm my audience or our audience <laughs> is show us how to handle root aphids. Okay. I don't say once you get an infestation, you, you know, in my opinion, you're screwed. How do you keep from getting root aphids? It's my worst nightmare going into my grow. I've got months invested in it and, uh, and sure. seeing a root aphid. I know it's, I'm, I'm spending the weekend throwing everything out. So what, what do we do? Give me the IPM well, first, man. Right. So for, first and foremost, you always want to start with a clean, sterile pot um, uh, or bag and 
uh, with clean, sterile, or as, as much as you can, um, free of, you know, root aphids, uh, soil, or sure. some kind of soilless mix. Okay, that's, that's first and foremost. And start clean. That's your first, you know, yep. start. And then when it comes to, you know, keeping out root aphids, the first thing is you don't want to bring them into your room. So that's where your quarantine starts. So the best way for to take out a root, you know, root issue, root aphid issue with plants that are coming in, let's say from outside, and you, let's say you suspect or you don't even know if they have root aphids, is if you can, in that quarantine room, once you um, sort of treated the plants, maybe with the soil as well as some root drenches, you can reduce those populations almost down to zero. But even if, even if you, you know, you do everything right, you may still have root aphids there. That's why I always say from there, take a clone because that clone has no roots on it. So once you take that, you know, clip and you go into your rooter, that should be free of root aphids and then you're fine. You're good to go. Cool. How about, (laughs) how how do we use your products to defeat root aphids? Okay. So uh, there's, um, there's a couple products out there that I recommend, not just ours, but um, when it comes to soil applications, you can use Venerate CG. And um, typically, you know, we use like two tablespoons uh, per gallon uh, of, of water. And you can basically um, put that into your fertilizer water. So you mix up your fertilizer uh, and then you add um, regalia and venerate if you want um, and then um, pH it. And then go ahead, drench your plants as, as normal. And this will actually kill root aphids as like a pesticide, a mm-hmm. traditional pesticide that you would think? Right. So it'll, it'll keep down, so it'll kill them. Um, they'll kill the, you know, the young and the uh, and sort of the older um, root aphids. However, it's not like the, these products aren't like, oh, you, you do it one time and they're all gone. Totally. Right. That's what I'm um, doesn't sound if you like. Want, if you want products like that, those are our traditional pesticides, right? They're much, much more, I would say, you know, effective in a one-time kill. They're toxic. Whereas though. the products that we have in, or, you know, in you know, organic farming, especially with cannabis, is very limited. And the products um, are never 100%, you know, great the first time. Um, typically, there are always some escapes that you sort of have to reapply. Sure. And with some apple and some grows, um, no matter what they do, it's almost, they can keep the, even if you get root aphids, um, a lot of people never really get get rid of them throughout that grow cycle. Right. So, but if you can manage those root aphids down to a population instead of having a hundred or you know, three hundred inside a root zone, and you only have let's say ten, then they're not going to do any any real damage to the root zone uh, enough to cause any kind of you know um, top growth. So is that what it's about? Once you identify you have root aphids, it's really about just, you know, mitigation? It's why we call it uh, exactly. integrated pest management, management and not integrated sense. pest killing. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like I mean, it. I mean, you have to be, there's a lot of reality out there, right? It's, people think, oh, you're, I'll spray a couple of your products and then everything's gone. It just doesn't work like that because aphids are just notorious, or bugs themselves are notoriously um, uh, strategic in their... Uh, ability to get out of the way of, sure. of products coming to them. So sometimes they might you know, get inside a plant where, you know, not where the spray got to them, right? Or they're on the underside of the pot where the liquid didn't get to them. Right. And so when you truly, when you, if you have root aphids, my best, my best um, recommendation is to, you know, treat them often, you know, maybe every four to four days uh, with some kind of root drench. Um, to keep them at bay, 
maybe you'll eventually kill them all, but it's, it's very rare. Typically, if you have them in veg, you're going to have them through flower at some point. Sure. So again, we're just trying to mitigate them down to a very small amount of problem where it's not going to affect the, the you know, the, the yield. And then once you're done, then you want to throw everything out, clean everything and start absolutely, you know, brand new fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once, I'm, I'm, once you do get them, you can do some root drenches, keep them at bay. Um, there's a couple of products out there um, that have been recommended. Um, Venerate is a good one to use in conjunction with a couple others. PFR so, 97, um, PRF states, 97. I'm yeah, exactly. So dyslexic is confused. Products and not others, right? So you have to be, so for the, for the listeners out there, you want to stay, make sure they stay legal, you know, check with what is listed um, for, you know, legal labeled products in their state to use. Um, and so some of these, some of these products, uh, a lot of them that are in recreational states um, that are good to use, let's say our Botanigard, um, Botanigard WP is uh, Bavaria Bassiana. Um, that has been used um, successfully um, in conjunction with PFR 97, uh, Venerate. Um, and then another product that people like to use is um, an organic pyrethrin called Tyganic. Now, not all states allow it. And in fact, California, I believe, does not. Um, but when it comes to uh, a pesticide that people um, use very uh, frequently, um, the pyrethrins are always out there, right? Everyone, yeah. Pretty much Stop most people have heard of pyrethrins. Well, there's an organic version of it that's made from the chrysanthemum plant that is um, very effective, you know, as a pyrethrin that is being allowed in some states to be used on cannabis. Um, if you're going to use it, you know, it, it, it does do really well against uh, insects, whether it's, um, uh, you know, either foliar um, or some other use. But you have to make sure you, you read the labels that are the labels, the law, right? So you want to make sure you use it correctly. Um, and so these, these products do work um, in some fashion, but it's always one of those things where, you want to you want to do them together, and you want to do them kind of often. So if you've got a root aphids, and you're like, okay, I want to keep it down, and you you mix, let's say, Venerate plus um, uh, PFR 97, and then three or four days later, do a light application drench with uh, maybe Botanic Guard, all right, and then come back with Venerate again. Um, and you might want you to do this, you know, for sort of every three to four days continuously, maybe four times, and then go into more of like a okay, we're kind of going to management, you know, now we're just managing them now, maybe once a week, once every 10 days. Um, again, whatever's, you know, the law of the label allows. Okay. Um, and, but those are the real products that a lot of people are using to, to manage root aphids. Uh, and then of course the fungus nets that are there, which are, everyone has, they're also be, um, you know, controlled or reduced by these um, applications as well. Okay, so just venerate and and some kind of botanic guard or something like that. That's my cocktail there. Yeah, I mean, so venerate, um, uh, uh, PFR nine seven, botanic guard. Um, there's a couple pr other products. I believe azadractin product um, is is you can use as a drench and use a pyrethrin um, you know, down. Is what you're saying? You know, and simple pyrethrin. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you can you can use pyrethrin as a drench. You have, to, you have to look at the label. Um, I, I haven't looked at the label in a while. Um, but, you know, make sure whatever you're using, you know, follow the label directions. Um, if you're not, you know, if you're not hundred percent sure, you can always contact the, the reps of those products, um, to have more clarity on sure. how to use them better. Man, I told you, I know you guys, it's uh, quite different. Uh, 
you know, talking to Matt than it is talking to a lot of our other, uh, you know, our other DGC. This is what happens when you have a pesticide, a registered pesticide. The claims, the things that you can say, you can, how dare you advise anyone to do anything that wasn't exactly like the label. Man, there are some, mm-hmm. a lot of rules that go along with this, huh? There are. And, and I'll tell you this, and just so everyone's you know, very clear, is, um, is that there's a lot of legality around labeled and the usage of products. So mm-hmm. if, you know, with pest control advisors or distributors or people like myself, we have to be very careful what we say to people because those labels are, you know, some products are, especially in the cannabis world, because products aren't in all states and they're not in all uses, either a drench or foliar, and so you have to read the label. Um, but, you know, just so you know, is that, you know, not everyone is using, you know, according to the label, um, a hundred percent. Sure. Um, but I, when, when I have to, when I, when I talk with, um, growers and people, distributors, whatever, um, I have to be very careful of, of what I say because, you know, the label is the law. Yeah. And by the way, I appreciate you guys are friends of the show, DGC pros. I appreciate you coming on and getting this information out. First off, the research and the work you do, uh, not to just be another Me Too company, but to bring some real interesting and new technology as cool as hell. But then to come explain mm-hmm. it to uh, to folks like us. And uh, I appreciate the heck out of it. Thank you, Matt. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm not done because I, I'm, I'm, I need to learn. I need to learn my IPM. So I've got Venerate that I would hit. Maybe once every, uh, maybe once a week, I would hit that. Maybe with some botanic guard, I understand what I'm doing there. What's with this mm-hmm. Grandiva? Why, why do you have three products, man? Sure. So um, Regalia CG is the biofungicide, and then we have the two bioinsecticides. And these bioinsecticides are basically baked, uh, based off of um, bacteria that we've isolated over time. Um, and so we, these are novel bacteria that we've isolated that produce. Uh, metabolites um, and these metabolites are insecticidal and if we can if you can harness you know the sort of the, the bacteria producing these things in an organic way those metabolites you can use as an insecticide and that's what we've done so both venerate um, and grandivo are based off of different it, bacteria will you dumb that, that down for me i'm so sorry to cut you up but that was so interesting though so you're saying that you have bacteria that do something to the plant it stimulates the plant to just when i think of secondary metabolites i think of all the terpenes and and what comes off of a, a cannabis plant all the smells and whatnot um you're telling me there's certain secondary metabolites that it makes that are insecticidal Correct. Yeah. So these bacteria are, um, are, you know, as they're feeding, they're, you know, they're, they're producing um, extracellular um, products. Um, And some of those products are um, insecticidal. Um, And if you can, you know, concentrate the making of those, um, you can really concentrate basically insecticide. The good thing about um, these metabolites is there, there's several, in fact, um, Let's say one of the products that we have has four different, let's say, metabolites that are all um, have insecticidal properties. So it, that's why we call their multi-site. So they're different modes of action um, uh, of that product, which makes it much, much less, uh, much more resistant. Um, and just to simplify that, it's four compounds doing different things versus four compounds all doing the same thing. Got it. Got it. Okay. Correct. All right. Exactly. Exactly. So we've. Basically, what we do, we take these bacteria, we ferment them up uh, in these big tanks, kind of like you're brewing beer, right? 
Uh, you, you, you take the bacteria, you feed them a bunch of like you know, sugars and other food sources, and then they produce um, the metabolites. And then we, we take that, we refine it down into a, a product uh, that then you then spray out. All right. So, and then in our products, both Venerate CG and Grandivo CG, um, there's no live bacteria in them. Uh, so when, they, when we're done, we heat kill all of the bacteria. So there's nothing live in there. Um, and the only, only product in there basically is uh, spent fermentation media, um, some other products for formulation, you know, to keep it stable or help it spread or stick. Um, and also the metabolites or the, you know, the bacterial sort of leftover um, products that are insecticidal. Awesome. Interesting technology, brother. I'm glad you know what to do mm -hmm. with your microscope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and we're talking about an overall, um, you know, program approach is that um, what I found is that if you, if you take our three products, right, you can pretty much, if you stay clean, um, you know, you start clean, you should, you should stay clean through your entire process. Nice. Um, and, you know, you, a lot of people will do, especially because um, cannabis is, is, is worth a lot of money, is that they, they, they spray, you know, preventively more so than they do proactively. Because if you try to cure something like in mid-flower, it's very hard to do. Okay, so no if you way. have an insect coming yeah. in, you have a whole mite population that got out of control, and it's like you know you're a week three of flower, week four of flower. It's very difficult to to control that and not reduce um, your your yield or your quality of your flower um, from then on. You're also spending way more money because you're doing yes. more applications. You're doing you know much more um, intense um, procedures. Whereas if you can stay, you start clean and you do preventive measures, you know, on a weekly basis light application rates, um, you can pretty much stay clean through the entire process. And that's why I recommend to, uh, you know, all growers out there, whether you're in a small tent or in your, your 100,000 square foot, you know, facility. Yeah, I mean, cultural practices are, that's always what you want to start with. And they and cultural, cultural yeah. practices scale from someone in a two-by-four tent all the way to someone in a 300-foot greenhouse. Um, cultural practices will come into play in all of that. They can help you out. Mm -hmm. All right, so give me yeah. my IP. Yeah, and then here. so coming up with some kind of program, right. this is what I recommend you know, with our products, right, is that every seven days um, starting at in, during veg, that's a right, maybe – maybe like 10 days or seven days after um, transplant, you can do a light foliar application um, to those veg plants and do this throughout the, um, you know, into flower as well. And you do it every seven days. You do regalia CG plus venerate CG. And you can use, let's say, two tablespoons of each. And these are foliars, um, huh? And then and spray down your plants that way. Yeah, foliar application. And then seven days later, do Regalia CG plus Grandivo CG. So you're rotating between Venerate and Grandivo. Now, people always ask, hey, you know, can you apply Venerate and Grandivo together? The answer is you shouldn't because what we found out in our research is that when we add those two together, we didn't really see a synergy. We didn't see an even more increase or decrease in um, insect control, right? So um, it's best to use our products in rotation. Um, and the way regalia works in the plant is that it ramps up those, um, that gene expression to reduce diseases for about seven to 10 days. And then it kind of peters out to basically nothing in the plant anymore. 
Right. So any new, you know, any new leaves that are growing and the you know flowers going, um, you want to reapply it every seven days to really make have maximum efficacy when it comes to um, reducing um, basically um, the three diseases we talked about. And then the Grandivo and Venery basically will take care of all of those major insects that we have or reduce them down to a level where they're so minor in the, in the grow operation that they're not going to do harm to the, to the overall yield. And again, foliar. Okay. Yeah. These are foliar applications. Got it. Now, if, if guys are, you know, if they're, if they're more familiar, they, Hey, you know, I really like this oil or I like this soap or I like this product or that product. Right. They can totally add those into the program, right? You don't have to just use our products only. Um, but people have had very, good success with just using our three products, you know, from beginning to end. Um, if it's but, a foliar, you know, do you need a sticker spreader or anything like that? You want to, you want to spread What's it out? That? Do you need any kind of sticker spreader or anything? If it's a foliar sticker spray? Um, you don't, so it depends on how you're, you know, how you're spraying a good quality sprayer um, is better than sort of like a pump sprayer, right? Cause the pump sprayer has these large droplets, right. you get uneven coating, um, so in that case, maybe you want to put a spreader sticker to help out, you know, in a small, like, you know, small little tent grow or something. Sure. But if you're in a larger, if you're in a larger grow operation, then you're typically, you know, you're using either like a, an atomizer, a handheld atomizer right. or um, a dram sprayer, right? It has a big tank on it that you mix, Got you it. have like a, you know, a spray gun, or a lot of people will use those um, paint sprayers. And they work just well, works just as well. Do they really use those? That's pretty awesome. They do. I, I hear, I see, I mean, even in like large, large op- uh, organizations uh, down in LA. And I it's saw, pretty smart, you know, man. Uh, a 50,000 square foot operation using a paint sprayer and, you know, and they did, they did really well with it. Yeah. Um, so it's I probably a lot cheaper than just, getting a fog master, I would assume. I would just, uh, yeah. That's another way people apply products is through fogging. And in fact, um, that's a, it, actually, it's a really great way of applying products. But um, when we're talking about surfactants, you know, spreader stickers, right. that, yeah, you can definitely add products or, like those into your um, spray solution to help those products work a little bit better. Sure. They spread the leaf, they stick maybe a little bit better, they get into the nooks and crannies um, more easily um, and, you know, help your pest control even more. But they're not necessarily needed in all products because a lot of the products out there have some kind of formulation behind it, but it's, you know, it's kind of a nice little additive to increase your efficacy. If you put a little bit in, you know, to your mix. But I'll take, I'll take the tip, get a really good atomizer and you don't have to uh, worry about a step spreader sticker. I like it. All right. So I'm looking yeah, at this. Yeah, exactly. But you can, I mean, you can, you can add it in and it's not going to hurt anything. Just don't add too much in there. So a little bit goes a long way, right? You know, make sure you follow the recommendations. Um, where I see people get in trouble is they, they say, oh, if a little is a lot is good, then a lot is better. Sure. And it's not. Um, and sure. anytime you spray, so for all those you know people listening, what's the best way to, to apply products? Um, so most of our insects are on the underside of the leaves. So you should be spraying up from the bottom up into your plants just as much as you're spraying down the plants. Right, right. You really want to coat those underside of the plants and in those new little you know growing points um, you know, cause certain, certain insects are, you know, harder to control than others, depending on where they live in the plant and, you know, how, how fast they grow, that sort of thing. All right, man, help, help, come on, Matt, help me get my IPM going here, man. So I think I got this. You've explained this pretty well. 
First week, I'm going to hit mm-hmm. them with regalia, right? I get my clones. Everything's looking good. I want to make sure I you know, don't have stem rot and I don't dampen off. So I want to spray them with the uh, regalia. What, once a week with that? Something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Yep. So a couple of times I'm going to hit them with that. It's going to give me my disease resistance. And then it seems pretty simple. I take Venerate and once a week, Grand Devo the other time. And just uh, one week Venerate, the other week Grand Devo. And uh, that should be it. Is that right? Yeah, and you can spray those from veg into into flour. Um, you know, a lot of guys say, "Hey, you know, by the time I reach, you know, week four of flour, I really don't want to have you know these products on my flour." Right. And that's totally fine. Um, they're never going to our products will never fail a test. In fact, um, the the CG line um, comes with extra uh, testing that we do in house, right? Or actually, uh, in a third party situation, um, we send off our product. We, they cl- they clear it of anything that would fail a test, including uh, heavy metals or bacteria or whatever. Um, and so uh, the CG products um, are tested even more than, let's say, the ag products are. When would be the last time you would spray it in flowering? Um, I typically, you know, I usually, if you're really clean and you're, and you're good to go, Usually by like end of week four, you know, that's probably where I kind of stop right. maybe week five. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're harvesting, let's say at end of week nine or eight or whatever, um, that's typically, you know, sort of the, the normal, you know, week nine is sort of the average out there. Um, maybe week five is your last application. You've um, never heard. You're not going to harm anything. You know, they're, they're totally fine. Uh, uh, you've never heard of not do quality much or anything yeah. like that. As far as quality goes, flavor, you know, of course, are you know super uh, you know, sensitive of that as cannabis growers. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's there's no we haven't found any kind of flavor or um, any issues um, that anything negative to the flower itself. But just to be just to be safe, you know, just stop anything you're doing by week five, or right. you know, that way the last you know four weeks, let's say. Um, you're basically just growing that, that, that flower to the final fullness um, that it is. And typically what happens is if you, if you have a, an in, if you don't have much insect population going on in your grow room, right. Because you've done all these preventive controls, right. Then if you have, let's say a, a couple spider mites in the room, right. It's going to take them several weeks in order to, to increase enough population to right. do any damage. Yeah, so the key is not going. By the time you harvest, you know you should be totally fine. Sure, sure. The key's not going into flowering with a light spider mite infestation. It gets out of control by week five. That's right. Yeah, and you know, obviously, you if you treat them early on and you have very you know low to no insects going into late flower, then you you'll be absolutely fine. To, you know, through harvest. Um, but if you do have a you know a minor in, or a major infestation by you know early on and you don't treat them preventively, you have to treat them curatively, then it's a whole situation, different, a whole different situation. Sure. You, you sure. may or may not be able to um, you know control those insects enough so they don't do damage to the flower or reduce the yield. I know I'm going to end up getting spider mites in the greenhouse this year. It, you know, it's not magic. It's not a, you know the windows open and uh, they're around. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to, going to hook up with a little, actually I might as well do all three. It's easy enough to do all three and powdery mildew is real as well. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is- yeah. And if, you know, if we ever, if we ever talk again about other products out there and 
um, how to control. I hope we um, talk again, you know, man. We just became friends. Yeah, we can always talk about other products. Like, um, you know, I, I write IPM programs. I don't just write my own. I only have to use my products, right? I want to make sure that people are aware of all the products out there. Right. Some have also better efficacy on certain things than than other products, right? So it's it's good information to understand how to use the products more effectively, and then um, you know through the grow because you know certain things. Um, let's say, you know, let's say sulfur. So a lot of times the people will spray micronized sulfur. Right. Um, and that's actually a great, um, cheap product that will control powdery mildew and has some effect to reducing rusted mite um, populations. Um, but typically you only want to use them during bed. Yeah. Um, and maybe not, not past week two of flower because, you know, people say, Hey, you get some sulfur on the flower. It tends to you know, um, show up later, um, is their taste not, or in concentration. Yeah. yeah. Not tends to, it absolutely destroys, destroys <laughs> flavor. I have some concentrates that somebody gave me and mm -hmm. I took one dab of it and I was like, Oh my God, sulfur. I, I mean, was going to say, it's like you dab a rotten egg. Yeah. It's just absolutely destroys the harvest. So yep. although they're, they're effective in yeah. the crops and <laughs> That's what's so interesting about cannabis is it's there's not too many other crops. I guess tobacco is the only other one I can think of that you grow it to smoke it is very sensitive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, cool. I tell you what, man, I've learned a lot today. I'm going to absorb it. Um, I do want to try these three products, man. I really do. And I tell you what, thanks so much for becoming a, a friend of the show, man. Uh, becoming a DTC pro and starting to get into this real information. Uh, guru, remember spider mites well, last year? We didn't have spider mites last year. Yes, we did, man. I was looking at my uh, my Google Photos, dude. Those were aphids. Mm, I had some. I've got some pictures of some spider mites going. Anyway, I was I was re reminiscing at Google Photos, so I don't want them this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what uh, what Matt says. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow his IPM. What do you think? Yes. Oh, you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> I was yes. Talking to you. Good deal. All right, guys. This was fun. Thank you. Learned a lot, man. I'm going to have to listen back to this one. Matt, thanks. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, thanks for having me on. It really it was a lot of fun. Heck yeah, man. All right, y'all. Take it easy. You will, you will hear back from Matt from Room Bio Innovations. And uh, yeah, keep your, finger, not keep your fingers crossed. I got my IPM going, man. I should be fine this time. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon. Take a little break That means we're lighting up a tube It's just weed It's just weed I like to keep the bells on, on, on It's just weed It's just weed In my toolbox there's a bone Some people start their day off with a pill It's what the doctor says to do They shake their heads and natural Go ahead and try something new, new, new. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good vibes on, on, on. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to smoke it all day long. Why he 
hates the dank. Just look at how he's being paid. Well, don't lock up me. Smoking weed. I ain't done nothing.